0: With 80-plus episodes in the vault and more than $3 billion in total compensation increases received by the Secrets Village, KP and PR are still dropping jewels. Secrets continues to validate that you are not crazy with the challenges faced in trying to reach and exceed your career aspirations. A listener describes Secrets as helping to pinpoint areas I need to develop in conversations I never knew I needed to hear. And season five will definitely not disappoint as they continue to deliver secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to increase your market value by building generational wealth. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have paid their dues to reach the top of corporate America, and they want to share their stories with you to transform your journey. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance your career so fill up those cups and welcome to season five
1: hey everybody welcome to secrets ricky this is episode 99 can you
2: believe it we made it this far it's crazy what's on your mind today my friend Man, you know, it is crazy when we start thinking about 99 episodes. Like, we really had that much shit to talk about, Keith. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> it still got a lot
2: more to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, we're coming to the end of like 2022, and I'm kind of tired, to be honest with you, and, and a bit worn out from all of the tomfoolery that we were fed throughout the year. It's Like, we just kept getting nonsense, nonsense, and more nonsense. And not only were we fed this nonsense, We were expected just to get over it and to go to work or just keep it pushing, right? Just
1: keep pushing. Just keep moving All
2: It's like reading like the little scroll on the news in the mornings, right? Like just read it and keep on pushing, right? But it seemed like every other week there was another story in the news. And brother, we talk about a lot of it, you know, but just think about how much stuff we didn't mention, you know, on this show, how much stuff we don't even talk about.
1: It's for sure. For sure. You're exactly right. You and I, you know, we take all of these things that come through and try and synthesize it and digest it and then turn that into content. But, you know, it's it's just hard, right? Because we'll get time to breathe at the end of the day, right? And there really isn't a moment where you and I, or even the bigger village, us as Black people get a time to, like, stop for a second and try and figure this shit out right? And how to move in unison to like fix some stuff, right? Because every time we think we got a handle on some stuff, something else pops up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's really crazy because we're talking about trying to figure out how to align, how to get on code. Like we can't even do it because you keep talking about how things keep popping up. And man, I look at the number of, and the types of, you know, issues that come up. And a part of me, kind of normalizes it, right? Because I'm not surprised at all. No, we internalize it as normalized as crazy. You're like, this shit right here just happened. Like something else happens, right? Then we speak, you know, when you and I get to speaking, okay, look, and I got my red cup today, okay? So when you and I, we get to speaking, <laughs> we start to speak and then some of our people in the village start talking to us. And they start asking us questions. Like the militant side of me gets awakened and angry about it at times, right?
1: Y'all gonna see Malcolm X today. Y'all gonna see <laughs>
2: I'm trying to tell you. And in a recent conversation with one of my real close friends, she made me kind of understand why that anger like happens and where it comes from for me, right? And she said that we're just too damn forgiven for all of it, right? It just keeps happening. We're just too damn forgiven the racism, the inequities, the blatant disrespect, like you name it. And you know what, KP? Damn it, she is exactly right. <laughs> you know, like that makes me boil when I think about it, right? And there habit is why we even came up with secrets. We start getting angry and upset, you know, about all of the things that keep happening and us not being able to have a moment to digest or even to get on cold.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And you, you and I talk enough where well, you already know how I feel about it. But we're going to talk about it some <laughs> more today, right? And, you know, and I sister Teresa Robinson, she called all of this like black exhaustion, right? And we're feeling it, right? It's, It's all this noise, all these things that are going on and you're just tired. And so you just give in. You're just like, okay, what else? What else you got today? It's all good. And no one should ever have to normalize all of this trauma and shock of all of these emotionally disturbing events and experiences and even the physical harm that we're suffering as a community. It's all wrong. But it's all part of our lives as Black people.
2: Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, it's it's part of our DNA, you know, at this point, right? I mean, like KP, like that is just so powerful on so many different levels, right? In addition to, like, that trauma that you speak about, there's also been, like, this stigmatization, you know, that we've grown accustomed to with respect to treating people unfairly by simply disapproving of them on the basis of race religion sexual orientation etc <laughs> you know like all of these things we're hustling backwards kp like everything that we thought we were learning and we thought we were hopefully getting past we're still dealing with the same shit like our kids our kids kids are still dealing with the same stuff it's really no better than what it was
1: same hey, stuff 60 years ain't done change 100 years yeah
2: no you know 200 years ain't that chance. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're just calling it something different, right? And that just brings me to what we want to talk about today, uh, Secrets Village. In this episode, we will recap some of the pivotal moments in 2022 that caused Black people harm and may take a while for us to recover from and why it matters when it comes to our careers. We'll also provide you with receipts on how continuous trauma and stigmas disproportionately impact Black people. And then we'll close out with providing three secrets on how each of us in the village can get aligned in our quest to be on code with dealing with the ongoing trauma and stigmas that we continue to endure because it looks like it's not changing anytime soon. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a little
1: yeah. while.
2: <laughs> yeah, so so KP, let's just get into it, man, because we got a lot to talk about today. So let's just take our time and just tell people what you and I are thinking about today.
1: Yeah, and we just going to focus on shit that happened in 2022 that impacted Black lives at the end of the day, right? We could go way back. we just going to focus on this year. There's enough.
2: And I know at times y'all gonna think we're making this stuff up, right? So when you think about how we're switching this episode up today, as Keith talked about, this is just 2022. Shit that happened in 2022 that we are going to be dealing with today.
1: That's yeah, crazy. And as we jump into this conversation, I just want to get on my soapbox for a minute. So just hold on for a second, right? Because <laughs> some of the folks out there, as we start to jump into this, they're going to wonder why We are spending time on these events, and how do they really affect Black people's livelihoods at the end of the day, right? So I'm going to give y'all a little cultural lesson for just a second, right? (laughs) Black people, we are community people, right? We care about everybody. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. When something in the world happens, we know that it could be any one of us at any point in time. So we care about what happens to each of us at the end of the day. So anything that happens, we're talking about it with processing it. It impacts us. And so our credentials, our accolades, where we live, none of that shit matters a lot of the time because any of these events that we're going to be talking about, it could be any of us at the end of the day. But I'm going to stop there because I could go on, but I'm going to stop preaching. I'm going to stop preaching so we can talk about some of these events. So let's dive into the some of the top stories of 2022 that are impacting Black people. So take it away, PR.
2: KP, it's funny that we're having this discussion today because just our Secrets Village out there, KP and I are both are under the weather today, but we wanted to make sure we both sick and talking to each other on the phone and it just dawned on us. All of the stuff that we were talking about, we're like, you know what? I don't care how sick we are. We need to record this shit today. That's right. We're doing, <laughs> we doing it.
1: We're doing it. We're going to get down.
2: That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, so let's start out with one that was great news, but still caused trauma to Black people, okay? On February the 25th, President Biden selected Ketanji Brown Jackson as his nominee to the Supreme Court, setting in motion a historic confirmation process for the first Black woman to sit on the highest court in the nation, a sister, okay? On April the 7th, I'm just giving you a little chronological order here, right? So on April the 7th, the Senate votes 53 to 47 to confirm Miss Ketanji Brown-Jackson, okay? June the 30th, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is sworn in as an associate justice to the United States Supreme Court, becoming the first Black woman to take a seat on the high court. On the surface, this all seemed fine and dandy, right? We was happy. We was celebrating in the streets, okay? But Black people remember the painfulness of watching what she had to endure during the confirmation process. And then we actually even remember that picture of her daughter looking at her. She was proud. That was her mama. You know what I'm saying? She was proud. But you think about, we're talking about how we felt, not even necessarily even focusing on how the kids felt. You had all of these white men sitting in judgment, challenging her credentials, mocking her intelligence and knowledge of the law giving fake praise, then going on attack, (laughs) okay? Every Black person has been through this at least once in their life. Maybe not on that grand stage, but when you get challenged at work, when they don't focus on the value that you can bring to the role, when they want to really focus on how you know, you know what you know, those types of things, it's the same type of feeling, right? So many of us, again, we say go through this Every day, or at least every time we apply for something, whether it's a job, a role in play, applying for a board seat, we felt her pain that day. And what we're talking about is that shit happened at the beginning of the year. And it kind of went for like three, four, five months. That's
1: right. That's right. Of sitting her getting tortured and challenged. Exactly. But she more qualified than the chief justice. She had more experience than the chief justice. (laughs) Get out of here
2: exactly come on now like they say like on the east coast back in new york when they get the fuck out of here
1: that's right
2: <laughs> get, you know what I'm saying? get out of here with that
1: get out of here with that another story we've already talked about this the roe versus wade decision the overturning of that and we talked about it in episode 96 where we recapped all of the midterm election stuff and we talked about how this decision disproportionately impacts black women access to health care access to child care the ability to generate generational wealth, the ability to keep a job. This one decision has a huge impact on the ability of women, and particularly Black women, to enter, stay, and progress in the workplace at the end of the day. It's huge. And so this is why it matters. This is why we're talking about it, because that one little, quote unquote, little decision has trickle down effects that
2: People can't even see. Yeah, I mean, look, man. I mean, it still befuddles me how that went down, and we didn't turn the page. And we talk about something else now. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? We talk about something else now, right? Like and that impacts everyone Leo, right? Everyone, right? Okay, so now you know how I feel about the NFL. Like I haven't shied away from the NFL at all, and every chance, every time I think I'm gonna get cut, them some slack. Something new happens, something, something new happens,
1: something, something keep comes up. Giving. Keep yeah, giving.
2: I'm not talking about I'm not black, I'm human. I ain't even going on him today. I'm going on my man Jerry Jones. Okay, now I used to be a Cowboys fan when I was growing up. I look everybody I was born in Oklahoma, and if you grew up in Oklahoma, you got two teams that you root for if you if you like the NFL, either you're gonna be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Or back in when I was growing up, it was a Houston Oilers fan. Okay, like that was really as close as you could get. You know, right? That there. was in the eighteen hundreds, wasn't it? Oh, stop it! It was it no it it covered wagons. We did not wagons. But KP, you are a Cowboys fan now. You know what I'm saying? And I get it, but I know your disdain for good old Jerry Jones. Oh, I okay? can't stand him. Can't stand him. So look, this year we just got the gift of a photo of Jerry Jones, and I get it, everybody's going to say, man, that was 1957, okay? Little Rock, Arkansas, Jerry Jones was about 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, but a picture surfaced of him protesting and blocking and black students from entering and integrating into high school. Now, again, regardless of his lame-ass excuses, okay, about what he was doing there, like when they when asked about what he was doing there, he talked about I can't believe that you were bringing up a a photo from that long ago. Who was actually more concerned with why I was, what was going on, but how I was going to get in trouble by my coaches for for being up front. Being up front. That's right. And he was only there because he was curious. Totally get it. Okay. And again, let's look at his record. And at that point when asked, does he regret being in that photo? Now this is the moment. Even if he didn't believe it, Okay, even if he didn't feel this way, he could have done performative acts as he's so eloquently done in the past. Okay. He could have done something. And he was like, Well, first off, I don't know why we brought up the picture, but I think that's an opportunity for us to do better in the in the future. Okay. In the future. Okay. So now from the time he was 15 to now, he had plenty of time to do the right thing from that picture. If he was really remorseful about being there and all of that stuff. Okay. So let's look at his record. How many Black people are in the Cowboys front office? Now, I ain't talking about on the team, okay? How many Black folks are in the Cowboys front office? How many Black coaches has he hired in the 35 years of ownership? Look at his responses to Kaepernick and the Black Lives Matter movement, right? That's the shit we look at right there. (laughs) And all I'm going to say is I just recall him saying, Nobody on my team is going to be missing no games or taking a knee and doing this, that, and the other for, for this movement. And then after he got a little bit of flack, he went in unison on the 50-yard line, everybody holding, uh, interlocking arms. Doing some performative shit. Oh, my God. That right there? And then the photo shows up. So all I'm going to say and is— And then wrote, hey,
1: Ricky, and then after that, wrote five-figure checks to the Trump presidential campaign.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. These facts. You know, I ain't making it up, right? And there are plenty of Jerry Joneses in the workplace that we have to deal with today saying and doing performative stuff, you know, all the time. And they don't have the receipts to back it up. And I'm not talking about a check that you wrote, I'm talking about sweat equity, I'm talking about actual representation in the workplace. That's the trauma that we're talking about. This is like you perpetuating continuous trauma for us to have digest.
1: Absolutely. And you know, they call the NFL a modern plantation. You got all these black people on the field working. Uh,
2: yeah. Again, don't get me started. Okay. Well, I, you know what? I'm already started. I'm already started. I'm, so I'm going to let you hit this next one while I sip from this cup.
1: That's right. We started. We're going to keep on going because we got lots of them today. <laughs> we got lots of them today. Another big story. 2022, the slap. Heard around the world, now y'all know what I'm talking about, when Will Smith ran up on that damn stage and slapped the shit out of Chris Rock,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Black people were on fire. <laughs> we were I'm on still fire.
2: heated about it. I'm still heated about it.
1: still heated about it. And it created a huge debate in our community around Black-on-Black violence, standing up for your spouse, mental health issues, just all these things started to ruminate in our community, right? And bigger picture, it also put a lot of weight on Black people as we went back to work. Because people asking us what we thought or to explain what happened. It's like, "Oh, no, what happened. That was between Will Smith and Chris Rock. <laughs> Why have I got to explain that shit? Go read the newspaper. Do your own research. <laughs> right? And then you got people then making microaggressive comments about violence and attaching that to black men. And is perpetuating the stereotype that they want to have in their head around, you know, there they go again. Always doing something, always violent, always criminal, and we just have to have to go to work. We just have to be there. And that's hard to deal with when all of the, you know, when all of this static is going on and all those perceptions are out there in the ether about your presence.
2: Yeah, I mean, and just the fact that, you know, you had white co-workers and everyone else asking me, what did I think? About Chris Rock and what did I think about Will Smith? Am I gonna go watch any more Will Smith movies? It's like, good gracious! I mean, that is a lot of stuff to kind of deal with. I realize that I have not necessarily been elected by my community, but by my work community. All things black, as Ricky, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All things black, as Ricky, which ends up being a bit of a, a weight that you got to carry, right? But you know, Keith, one of the things that sadly I think about here is is when you just start thinking about just the gun violence in 2022, right? And the one of the first things that kind of comes to mind for me is the Buffalo supermarket shooting on May the 14th. Again, you know, I'm thinking about other things that happened along with the shooting in Uvalde, which took 10 days for them to try to figure some things out there. The Club Q in Colorado, the Walmart in Virginia, also like the, 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 the shooting at UVA. You know, there too, like all of these things keep happening. And we talk about them really quickly, but again, it ends up being just a blurb or a glitch, you know, in the system. And then we're supposed to keep moving forward. But we've talked in the past about gun violence and the impact it has on Black lives. Every time someone is shot, we feel it. Okay. Every single time someone is shot, we feel it. Every time there's a shooting, we collectively hold our breath and hope that the shooter wasn't black because that will only add fuel to the fire. And we can see the difference behind how they portray in just these situations right here that happen, like how they portray the shooter and the scenario and the situation versus how they do some of the other ones. I mean, we're talking about UVA, you know, itself. And again, we're not taking sides for anyone, we're just talking about how things are portrayed in the news and how much credence we give these things here, right? And we grieve for the Black mothers and the fathers who have lost a child and also understand that those killed could have been any one of us, any one of us. Like, I can't tell you how many people like the degrees of separation we talk about all the time, Keith, the crazy here, where... Every time there's a shooting, whether it's at UVA, whether it's in Colorado at the Walmart, we know somebody who knows somebody who was involved.
1: Absolutely. That's right. That's right. There's always just a small degree of separation.
2: And then, and after all of these shootings, after each one of these shootings, we still have to show up at work, okay? Absorbing lame condolences, answering questions and worry about our family members or just listening to something stupid. You know, that like maybe a coworker, an insensitive coworker, sometimes even a boss or a CEO or a president has to say about their opinion on why something happened or what needs to occur. And guns don't kill people, people kill people, you know, all of these types of things. But again, this becomes some of the trauma here where the the nervous anxiety when something does happen. And the way society, you know, continues to evolve here, things are going to continue to happen. But these are some of the insensitivities, but some of the the ways in which we now start to kind of normalize some of this behavior.
1: Yep. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Another story that was recently in the news is still with us right now. We're sitting in it right now, Brittany Griner. Yeah, our sister BG. BG. So on February 17th, this is how long back this goes, February 17th she was detained at the airport in Moscow on drug smuggling charges. She didn't even go to trial until July 1st, right? She goes to trial on July 1st, and then on July 7th, she pleads guilty to the drug charges. And then on August 4th, she's found guilty and sentenced to nine years in prison, right? And then on December 8th, that just happened. She was released uh, for Russian detention and on her way back home, and she's finally back home. And we're talking about a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Her dad's in the military, law enforcement, all the things. She's been out there for veterans, all kinds of things. And this should have been a happy moment, but it's become another example of racist, misogynist, homophobic shit that Black people have to deal with, right? You got people out there questioning her patriotism, questioning her citizenship, questioning whether or not she was even worthy Enough to be exchanged for what the Russians got in return.
2: And we're not even talking about the crime. And I'm doing this in, in quotes here: the crime, the alleged crime, and you know, all of these things, right? We're not even talking about that stuff. We're not even talking about the convenience of when she was detained versus when the war, you know, started. We're not even talking about any of that stuff. When we're talking about political ponds, when we're talking about all of that stuff, like we're really trying to answer questions about her patriotism, about the fact that she's openly gay, like all of these things right here, like this don't have nothing to do with anything. But here we are, once again, traumatized by the situation. All the
1: noise, all the noise. But then you parallel that with the criminal justice system in America, how Black people with small amounts of marijuana or Something like that. And the sentences that they get that are longer, the treatment that they have to endure, you know, the lack of resources to be able to defend themselves. This all is the same.
2: But, yeah, we're not talking about white collar crimes where people defraud folks of their savings, of their 401ks, you know, all of this. You type got of- the crypto what? dude right now, the crypto dude. I mean, he, he ain't gonna get nothing. I didn't mean to do what I did, you know, this, that, the other, like all of this type of stuff, man. It's just the imbalance of justice. Yeah. We see it on a national stage, on a global stage, you know, frequently. Well, look, I got another one for you, right? And this has really been, I don't know how I feel. I know how I feel. Okay. I know how I feel, but I'm bringing this up because this is a microcosm of the shit we got to deal with every day. And I'm putting somebody on the hot water right here. Prince William's godmother. Lady Susan Hussy. Go figure. Now, that is her last name. I ain't making it up. Hussy. okay? Now, that's a term my grandmother would say right there. She would call somebody a hussy in a minute, right? And you knew that wasn't a good thing. That wasn't good right there, right? Because the lady didn't come in front of it, and it didn't come after, you know, hussy, right? But Prince William's godmother this discriminatory behavior towards a guest, okay? And I'm saying a guest. So this sister, Ngozi Filani, she is the CEO of Sister Space, okay? An agency that provides support for women of African and Caribbean descent in London who have experienced domestic abuse. So the the whole reason that they were there for celebrating women and to pay uh, respect to- At the Buckingham Palace. Yeah. I mean, like, this is the stage, okay? So this sister, Ngazi was a guest, okay? And she had to endure a painful conversation with a totally culturally incompetent royal family member, okay? I ain't making this stuff up, okay? She goes to the event, and Sister Hussey, well, Lady Hussey, okay, asks Sister Ngazi, she walks up to her. Now we know the wrong thing you ever do to a sister. Okay, especially if you don't know her, you don't touch the hair. She's going to touch the sister's hair, like move her hair out of the way to look at her name tag to see what her name is. So this was the first egregious act that started here. Didn't know her from anything. Okay, and moved it as if she like was talking to her like she was the help. Like she was you know, like serving folks. OK, so when we say this is how it started, then she started to ask her questions about where she was from. OK, like where are you really from or what part of Africa are you from? Like we don't need to talk about how super racist that is to begin with, but that's how the it started with the hair flip. And then you ask them questions. And that sister, like so many of us, had to stand there. And endure that line of questioning without flinching. And this took, like, it probably seemed like an eternity to her, but it was a good 10 minutes. It was a good 10 minutes because those weren't the only questions she was asking her, right? Yeah, where are you really from? No, where are you really from? And look, Sister Ghazi Filati was answering questions like we oftentimes do. And she was like, well, my parents are from X, but I'm from here. I was born in London. Heater, I gotta write to be here. You know, basically, she never asked her what kind of work she did, like why was she with there? She was just asking her questions like this. And now, again, she answered the questions without flinching, and she probably had to go right back to work here and figure out how she could get back on online as the CEO of her company. Okay, these are the indignities that black people face every day at work, at the cocktail party, at the interview in the lunchroom, that right there in itself is a microcosm of what we have to deal with every single day, Keith.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Those microaggressions are for real. We can't let the moment pass. We've already talked about this MF, but Kanye West, we dedicated a whole episode to this clown, episode 94, if you ain't listened to it yet. So I'm not going to belabor the point. But he still, even after this episode, he continues to double down on anti-Semitic hate speech and leaving the rest of us to scoop the stuff up, right? People be asking us whether or not we support Kanye or not, or looking at us funny, when the conversation comes up about his behavior,
2: I don't need to respond for this Negro. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have nothing to say. I got nothing to say. I don't don't want to be the spokesperson, okay? And I definitely don't want to ask no questions about that cat.
1: Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Now I have to admit that I'm a little nervous about some of our young black people on this issue because some of them are lining up behind Yay, and I, I don't get it. But as we mentioned in the episode, solidarity between Black and Jewish people has been a key to pushing through major civil rights victories, and we have to maintain that partnership if we're going to make any progress. So let's get it together, people. Get on code.
2: All I'm going to say is understand your history, because I understand with the Moors being the first you know, Black Jews, I understand all of that type of stuff, but know your history before you get out there and start talking about Nonsense. Okay, just know it. Now, look, Keith. One of the ones that, and I'm gonna be quick on this one because I feel a certain way. Okay, but all of the anti-critical race theory bills and like the erasing of history, all of that shit has been picking up momentum in 2022, right? And we're coming to the end of this. Well, we're still. We're not even really talking about it, like. But we're talking about this is the only thing I'll even tell you, okay? Because this is the one I still cannot stomach. I can't swallow it. We are changing the term slavery okay, to involuntary relocation. Slavery, Keith. Slavery. Involuntary Involuntary. relocation.
1: Involuntary relocation.
2: Now, we ain't doing it in California, but there are a lot of these red states, a lot of these swing states, all of these things. This is picking up momentum. So this is, again, when we start talking about Showing up at work, like being able to have to show up at work and smile, you know, and then face our kids, face our children. We know that they're being brainwashed with incomplete or ignorant history lessons. I mean, involuntary relocation.
1: Involuntary relocation. So that's just like Ricky. We gonna move you to Tennessee, but we are not gonna pay for it. That's involuntary relocation. <laughs> that goes on a boat and making me work after that. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
2: well, <laughs> so Keith, so so the one of the ones you and I talk about, we talk about the all skin folk ain't kin folk. Talk to us about this next, this next one.
1: Oh yeah, all skin folk, ain't skin folk Oh boy, so that Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker. This election in Georgia was so sad and so typical, and it was embarrassing. It was totally embarrassing, and it was also infuriating. For me as a black man to watch Herschel Walker do that minstrel show that he did for the last 12 to 18 months. Because that's basically what it was.
2: That's exactly what he was doing. It was a minstrel show.
1: That's right. He was totally unqualified for the job. But sadly, he was also tokenized. He was a showpiece to give racist cover to prove that they weren't racist. That's what it was. And he was a pawn in a game that he didn't understand at the end of the day. When you think about it. I mean, it's just like, what are you doing, Herschel? What are you doing? And I'll say this, and this may be controversial.
2: It probably is. If you're saying it, it probably is going to be controversial.
1: Probably going to be. <laughs> I was, I was saying, if Herschel was white, he probably would have been elected.
2: Ooh. Yeah. You got a point.
1: He would have won. This situation is one that Black people face all the time. Despite our qualifications for the job, we get passed over for the opportunity. Or some hand-picked lackey get selected for a role, even though they have much
2: less capability and experience than we do. We see this time and time again. You're just not a good fit for the opportunity, for the role. You know, it's just about the culture, you know, some other thing. I know you got all of this education. I know you've worked at all of these blue chip companies and you got the, you know, it's just not a good fit. <laughs> not a good fit Thank okay you. look i'm gonna give you one more here we didn't really touch on this one like we could have we didn't go hard like we could have okay but the la city council i know i know this may not have made news all across the u.s but the mic is always hot so 2022 we got reminded that the mic is always hot even if you're speaking in a different language they're talking slick about a fellow council person and their children, basically, who were Black, okay? And now everyone on the L.A. Council who was involved in that situation has resigned, all except one person, good old Kevin DeLeon, okay, L.A. City Councilman. So he was recently interviewed on CNBC after taking some time off for self-reflection, right? Like, he gave himself some time to, like, really think about it. And then he said, I've been spending time with my constituents, but then he had to rephrase it because he says, even the black ones. He was talking greasy about the black ones, referring to the a person's child as almost like some luggage, like the Louis Vuitton bag. And a Porsche monkey. <laughs> yeah, all this type of stuff, right? So the audacity, the gall that makes you think that you don't need to like resign like as a council person you're supposed to have constituents of all gender all different races sexual orientation you're supposed to represent the people but you've already said you really only representing some people and the people that you represent you're not even doing that good of a job so basically he said he took some time off and he apologized for the pain that he caused and that that's not a reflection of who he is like i mean we've heard this sad tale before these people were going to take care just imagine how they really talk about Black people. Because they didn't know the tape was live. They was talking, like we say in the streets, they was talking cash shit right then, Keith. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it got caught, right? So, again, we know how you talk because sometimes you get comfortable around us and shit just spills out, okay? Or we just watch. Fox News. Yeah, that'll <laughs> tell you all to, you need to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get to see what you want to think. But again, this was recent, Keith. This just happened. This just happened. But he ready to come back to work. And he said, at the, before I let you give me that last one, Keith, he said, face it, we all got to work with people that we don't like sometimes, and we just got to do our job. <laughs> Y'all need to work with me. Y'all need to work with me. Work with Man, me. That's right. <laughs> because get, it's get all about me. Here. back in New York again,
1: get out of here with this. It's all all about me. We're going to end the year and end this little segment where we began the year. Talk about damn COVID. It's still here, y'all. But the thing that differs in 2022 is they wanted Joe ass to go back to work. (laughs) Go back (laughs) to that office, right? This was the year that companies started demanding that people return to the office despite experiencing record profits when we all were at home. Need to collaborate better, Keith. That's need to collaborate right better. There. I need to yeah. see you. I, I need, need to put my it. eyes on you. I need to yes, see you. I need, exactly. I need to touch your hair. <laughs> uh, yes, I need to move your hair out the way your are, uh, your, your name tag. Way. Read your name tag. That's right. And we already know black people in particular have reported having less stress, fewer microaggressions, and more opportunities during COVID, right? And we had more opportunities because managers actually had to rely on actual output and performance versus perceived contribution, right? So they ain't nowhere to hide when we all working remotely. You can't like be kissing nobody's ass up in the office and getting your promotion based on somebody liking you.
2: So they had to actually look at your receipts.
1: Had to look at the receipts. (laughs) Imagine that.
2: Yes. That's real
1: meritocracy from my standpoint, but yeah, I digress. But we know we dumped a lot on you today, but we thought it was important to highlight as we wrap up the year and this season and to highlight what your Black colleagues are carrying when they walk into the workplace every day, right? And in addition to the actual receipts that we're going to be sharing in just a second, just pause for a moment. And reflect on what you're feeling right now. I know I'm feeling kind of disgusted right now. Just think about how you may feel right now. Cause all those things we shared, those are receipts. Those are real life receipts at the end of the day, right? That we just shared. And this, this is the trauma and the stigmatization that your Black coworkers have to deal with like every single day,
2: every damn day. And just going back to work. And then you then you want to bother somebody about some TPS reports, right? <laughs> so look, the impact here, man, is ridiculous, right? There is a significant influence by sociocultural history, right? And how we process and react to trauma. The impact is we can't just go back to work. We can't just get over it.
1: No, you're exactly right. And as I think about all of this kind of how to package it, all of this stuff that we've been talking about, it impacts our communities. We can't continue to view the trauma and the stigma that we face as just another story, right? We have to really embrace this as a challenge to kind of change the paradigm because enough is enough. Our
2: cups are full. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, you and I talked about this. We talk about it all the time. This is a point in our secrets journey here where we're going to keep bringing up uncomfortable subjects to folks. And this right here. Is a culmination of everything we've been talking about all season, <laughs> right? But this is the part you know when we kind of navigate from some of the uh, our opinions, you know, so to speak, and we talk about the receipts. So we're going to speed this up a little bit here as we share some secrets with you today. So we're going to share the receipts on how continuous trauma and stigmas disproportionately impact Black people. So Keith, hit us with receipt number one. Yeah, receipt number one: the Grady Trauma Project
1: in Atlanta has worked to understand the effects of trauma and has surveyed over 12,000 Black folk living in urban communities and and low socioeconomic situations. And their work has demonstrated that our community is disproportionately affected by severe and life-threatening traumatic events, right? 90% of the individuals they spoke to have experienced trauma. And 48% have reported having experienced at least four different types of traumatic events in their lifetime, such as severe violence or sudden or near lethal illness.
2: Mm, it's out there, Keith. I mean, this is this is trauma that we're talking about. I just that's a hard receipt to kind of stomach there. Receipt number two: the effects of chronic trauma exposure are profound, as we started talking about earlier. Exposure to trauma can lead to post traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, which is characterized by many debilitating symptoms, including always being on high alert, anticipating danger, nightmares, and unwanted thoughts of the actual trauma, irritability, loss of interest or pleasure, and social isolation. PTSD has a deeply negative impact on quality of life and can impact the most basic aspects of people's lives, including sleep ability to work, and personal relationships, while about 6% of the general population and between 7% and 14% of uh, veterans will be diagnosed with PTSD in their lifetime. That's huge. The Grady Trauma Project has shown that lifetime rates of PTSD in Black individuals living in urban, low-resource neighborhoods is 46%. Woo! 46%. Now, we just gave some numbers earlier there. They also found that more than a third, which is 37%, of this group have experienced depression, which is much higher than the general population. So, this is real. Absolutely real.
1: This is real. And just to pile on, receipt number three, we'll continue with the graded report. Experiencing trauma also increases the risk for other chronic illnesses, such as heart disease and diabetes. Mm -hmm. rates of diabetes, heart disease, and other chronic illnesses are much higher in Black individuals living in inner-city environments compared to the general population. In addition, they have observed high concentration of biological molecules indicating risk for chronic illnesses in the participants that they talk to. For example, the average concentration of the inflammatory molecule C-reactive protein, or CRP, which is known to increase in response to trauma or chronic stress in our community is about 60% higher in black people than in the general population. Wow. Importantly, the detrimental health impacts of chronic trauma exposure are not limited to one generation. The biological effects of stress can be passed down from mother to child. And as a result, trauma has a long lasting effects on both individuals and communities.
2: I mean, again, we talk about being trapped in the system sometimes or being a victim of your environment. I mean, we're talking about trauma being passed down. Like, this is fucking crazy, Keith. This is crazy. So look, again, I know some of you may think we're sensationalizing pieces here, but this is these are receipts that are out there. Okay, so what we want to be able to do is to try to, before we close out the episode today, we want to be able to just transition into some secrets. Because again, for us, it's really important to make sure that as a community, we have the tools necessary to be able to change. you know, what we want to see here. So today we'll provide three secrets on each of us in the village, on how each of us in the village can get aligned in our quest to be on code. We're dealing with the ongoing trauma and stigmas that we will continue to endure. Those three secrets are number one, prioritize your mental health. Good mental health is absolutely not an option. So again, we want to talk about prioritizing that. Number two, disconnect. Number three, actively engage in change. So KP, hit us with secret number one.
1: Yeah, secret number one, prioritize your mental health. Again, good mental health is not optional and it's okay to not be okay at the end of the day, right? Trauma can make you more vulnerable to developing mental health issues. And we just talked about all the physical health issues that, that trauma can have as well. It can also cause PTSD and depending on how you're affected, it can cause difficulties in your daily life with your overall decision-making, your ability to show up at work, all the things. And as we stated in season one with dealing with external static, that episode, take a listen to that one again. Get the required help that you need, whether it's using your EAP at work, taking FMLA, family medical leave, having talk therapy, whatever tools you need, make sure that your mental health is strong at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Keith, I think that's a great point because we want to normalize making sure that we prioritize our mental health. Secret number two, disconnect. I mean, as simple as it is, it's hard to do. And we know the system has you working 10, 12 hours a day. And then when you're not doing that, you might have to get a second job to try to make ends meet. All of these types of things. So again, you must have boundaries and make time for yourself. Unplug from social media and the news. Go do something you enjoy for yourself. Meditate. Go shopping, exercise, talk with friends, have a glass of wine, cook your favorite meal, listen to secrets, (laughs) okay? Whatever it takes for you to unwind, be able to do that so that you can get you some laughter as well. You may have to leave work early or take a random vacation day. It will be fine. The business is not going to close because you missed a day to take care of yourself. Absolutely, you gotta do it. And our final secret for
1: you, We just said disconnect. Now we're going to ask you to engage, right? So you got to engage in the change also and be active about it. Use your skills, your talents, and your passions to advocate for change. Don't be a bystander. Get in the game. We all have something to contribute to our beloved community and to our white allies out there. Being anti-racist is not enough. We need you in the game too. We need you to step up, advocate, open the doors, remove barriers do all the right things.
2: Absolutely. I think engaging is going to be so, so important here. But again, that's why KP and I are doing this, man. We're trying to engage and trying to make it so, and that's why we give you the secrets is we want to make sure that you have the tools needed to engage and be a productive member of society so we can change things. We don't want our kids having this trauma that we have now. We want to stop the cycle here. So look, at the end of the day, we are so appreciative that you've been able to give us the opportunity to just talk to you all about Keith and and PR's thoughts, you know, so to speak. And you can find more resources on the secrets and the receipts that we shared today by going to our website, secrets.com and looking in the show notes for this particular episode.
1: Yeah, and PR, I can't believe we're at episode 99. This is crazy. We were hoping to make it to 50. We We're like, do we actually have enough shit to talk about to make, make 50 episodes?
2: But do you remember when I said, you remember when I, I was like, uh, as I was eating up everything at your house, I was like, ain't nobody going to listen
1: to this shit, That's right, ain't nobody going to listen to this stuff. But y'all keep showing up and showing out and asking for more. So we're going to just keep bringing it to you as long as we can. And we do really appreciate all of you all, all of our listeners and fans out there. We wouldn't have won. The Listener's Love Award from the Black Podcasters Association without your support. You listen, you engage, you bring others to the table, bring them to the village, and we so appreciate that. And you can help us out by writing a review on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms. Follow us on LinkedIn and continue to comment on things that we're putting out there in the post. All of this stuff helps build the village, helps make us all get on code at the end of the day and reduce some of that trauma and segmentation that we feel.
2: Yeah. And, you know, KP and I are locked in on helping you get that coin and getting your seat at the table, because ultimately we know that that generational wealth and us being able to create that change is us getting in the boardroom, us getting in positions where we can create, you know, what we want to see and we can do the things that are necessary and are sustainable for everyone in the village. So look we are sliding up well past $6 million in total compensation increases that we've helped people achieve by working with us. And this season is a gift for giving, you know, as we talked about, right? Christmas is right around the corner. And I know that you've probably done all these things for everyone else and haven't done anything for yourself. So invest in yourself or someone that you love, especially as we start processing all of the layoffs that have happened and in all of the movement that we would like to see in our own careers. So y'all get the point. There are a ton of people in and around the village that could benefit from some executive coaching. So also check out that merchandise. I got me a, a nice secret sweatshirt on right now. It's good. Lights are red. Lights are red. <laughs> exactly. But it makes a great gift if you're looking for a holiday present. So again, everybody, thanks for the support, but continue to be locked in on your own self-development as well.
1: Again, we know this was a lot today to lay on you, but remember, you are not crazy at the end of the day, right? All of this stuff that you're feeling and that you've experienced, even all the stories that we shared today with things in the news and how you were feeling about them, we're all feeling it. So you are not alone. And after listening to all of the shit we had to do this year, I'm <laughs> going to make an extra
2: tall cocktail
1: for both of us, Ricky.
2: I'm appreciate that because mine That's is low now.
1: That's right, and that's gonna be my Christmas gift to you, by the way. So don't be coming over here asking for no sweet potato pies. He over here being
2: stingy, <laughs> y'all. He over here being stingy. That's right.
1: <laughs> and we got one more episode to go in season five, episode one hundred. So buckle up! And again, thanks for listening to Secrets today. And remember, where we share, you transform. Peace, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another episode of Secrets. In fact, one listener said that with Secrets, I learn new, actionable information listening to KP and PR. I enjoy the balance of data with the testimony of real experience, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please show these brothers some love. Subscribe and write a review on our podcast. And last but certainly not least, elevate your professional game by signing up for our executive coaching services. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Remember, when we share, you transform. Until next time, cheers.